All right, NBA fanatics, all our, all our hoop heads around the world, thank you for listening to WeAreRegalRadio.com. We try to give you the best, most extensive coverage and commentary that you can take on, on all the stuff that we cover, including the NBA. We love the NBA here on WeAreRegalRadio.com and War on Anchor. So, uh, you know, whatever chance we get to talk about it, we're going to talk about the NBA. And we talk about the NBA pretty pretty uh, consistently on uh, Running With War, our, uh, our basketball-only podcast, our NBA-only podcast. And there are new episodes of that available uh, on, on all the podcast platforms that you can listen to us on, Spotify, Spreaker, TuneIn, uh, Apple, Google Podcasts, you know, check them all out if you haven't, if you haven't already. But uh, this here is just a little thing that we're going to do every other day. You know, you know I'm going to do it if I'm, sometimes I may be by myself. Other times I may have a person with me. You know, this time I got our main man, Joshua M. Hicks, uh, in the scope uh, column and in the scope podcast. He's riding with me on this first you know, calling this the playoff diary. Uh, you know, checking in every every couple of days or so as the playoffs, uh, you know, unfold and just you know give our thoughts on what's going on with the with the series and some of these individual games, uh, you know, the storylines that are developing and everything. So, you know, just have a little fun that way. But uh, Josh, what's up, man? You know, you 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 put yourself out on the line. With, with your predictions last week on, on WeAreRegalRadio.com. I appreciate that. But you got to live up to them too, man. And, and for the most part, you, you know, you're not doing bad, but it, there's a couple ones that have, that have been pretty tough on you. You know, I, I, before, we, before we got on, you know, I had to give you, I had to give you a, a little nudge about the, the Milwaukee Bucks and, and, and uh, Detroit Pistons pick. You gave Detroit Pistons two games in that series, and they don't look like they're going to get two quarters in the series, man. <laughs> you know, what's up with that, yeah. man? What, uh, who, who, who have you uh, – have you been – have you – you got to be impressed with the Bucks so far in the playoffs, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm impressed with the Bucks. I, I gave – I originally gave the business two games because I was assuming that Blake Griffin was going to be playing – and at least he'll be in a, at least somewhat healthy to where he can still produce and be an X factor in this series for the Pistons. Because obviously, without Blake Griffin playing at a high level, the Pistons don't really have a chance. And that's what we've really been seeing within that first series. The Milwaukee Bucks continue with their dominance and basically getting whatever they want at will on the court against the Pistons. And the Pistons just haven't been able to stand a chance. And especially with Blake Griffin. Um, only playing one out of those two games and basically being out for that series for the most part. So I thought Blake Griffin was going to be available to play. And I, so I gave him at least two games because Blake Griffin has improved to a point where he can possibly get you those two games, especially if they're at home. But it, like you said, it, it's looking ugly on, this, in the, on that series, man. That's looking more like a sweep every day. Yeah, and, and it's reasonable to think that Detroit full strength would would have a little something to say in that series. It'd been hard even with Blake to pick him to win, and you know you didn't, of course. But uh, to think that they would compete, and and we look at Game Two, they played a pretty good first half. They were they were up at the half in Game Two, 
But that third quarter, the Bucks just came out and, and blew the doors off them and uh, won it pretty easy. And that, you know, they, they I think they have one of the the best uh, uh, margins of victory uh, in any first couple or first two games in NBA playoff history. So the Bucks are doing just what they what they want to do coming into this this playoff season as the number one seed. And I think a lot of people would have said that they were a vulnerable number one seed given their lack of playoff winning experience. And uh, but uh, you know I'm. I, the Bucks look like they're at least going to be good for the Eastern Conference Finals this year. So we'll we'll see about that. We look at the rest of the East. You got two series that are at one-one, and uh, you know uh, one of the series, Philadelphia and Brooklyn, is playing the, the third game right now. So that's going to be uh, interesting to see how that fall, how that finishes up. And you know, it, it, you would think that Philly's going to take control of this series at some point, but you know, Brooklyn came out strong in that game one and took that and, and made sure that they were would be heard from. And look at the other the other 1-1 one, one series. The Magic shocked everybody in game one. Although you can't be too shocked with Toronto because Toronto seems to specialize in losing game ones at home in the playoffs. But uh, you know, the Kyle Lowry line in that game was was just pathetic <laughs> with the zero points there. He did come back with a very good uh, game two, and overall Toronto, you know, uh, did that thing in game two to even the series. Again, you have to figure that Toronto's gonna take control of that series, but you know, it, they don't look too strong. Boston, they're up two zero against Indiana, but they play two close, relatively close games at the Garden there. So. Out of those three series, what what are your takes on the the upper seeds, and do you think that any of any of them between Toronto, Philly, and Boston, do they do any of them look ready where they should be right now for the playoffs? Uh, I think honestly, neither of them are where they need to be for the playoffs. Boston still has some chemistry issues. Um, they're just playing against an Indiana team that doesn't have Benjol and people. They don't have their go-to score, their go-to guy down the stretch, their main best player and their best uh, X-factor when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. So when they lack that, it's, it's easier for guys like Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum to get off on the offensive end and still lock up their best point guard, their best uh, second-best score, per se, on the defensive end. And that was it a big issue. A lot easier. Yeah, that was a big issue in game two when you look at you know, uh, where they give up like eight points, eight straight points at the end there. You know, Tatum got off a, a couple of shots and, you know, I, it, you know, there was like two minutes left and they were up. Bogdanovich was hitting some shots and, and Indiana was up. But uh, Boston just came through and, and swept them right off of their feet in those last couple of minutes and they had no answer. Like you say, no Oladipo sort of equaled no answer really for them. And uh, you, know, you wonder if it's going to be a little different in Indiana, but uh, I don't know if it's going to be different enough for them to take control of the series. Maybe they'll get a game, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I have to say, though, I do think that Boston, you, you talked about the chemistry. I think, you know, maybe there's still some stuff underneath that they're dealing with, but outwardly they've shown themselves to 
at least be in a better mind state than they were in the in the in the regular season. I don't know if it's going to lead to them playing better ball over the course of the rest of this playoffs, but you know we know from from what happened in the regular season with Boston that it could be worse. So I'm a little bit encouraged seeing them, you know, on one accord so far in those first two games. You know, let's it'll be interesting to see how they close out this series. Do they will they do it emphatically within four or five games, or will they stumble? If they stumble and they maybe it, it goes deep and maybe they have to win in, in six or seven, that might be a bad sign again for Boston. Uh, even if they win, you know, how, how much really could you expect of them going forward? Um, it'll be interesting to see there. But uh, let's jump over to the West. And, um, you know, the only sweep, as we, as I look at your uh, preview, your prediction column from last week, the Endoscope uh, column where you predicted all the first-round series, the only uh, sweep that you had in the first round was the Warriors over... The uh, the Clippers and the Clippers uh, the Clippers cut you off on that one, man. The the, the record comeback in Game Two, man. What did you see that live? Or what, what, what you know? What did you think about that? Did you? Or did you have to uh, wake up in the morning and do the 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 bug eye look like we all did? Actually, I did. Actually, I did see it live, but I was nodding off, and I was like, you know, I I, I wasn't sure what I was doing, what I was seeing. And, but eventually I saw that they won. I was like, wow, you know, I, I mean, let me wake myself up and, and see how the hell they did this. But, but what, what, what how did, did you see that live or did you have to hear about it the next day? I saw, I saw for the most part of it live. Um, during that time, I was um, checked into my hotel. Yeah, you were, cause you was in St. I Louis was, then, right? Um, no, I was just uh, saying that I, I, I pretty much watched the live. Um, I was checking in my hotel room at the time, and I was like, like, like you, there was some nodding off here and there. But I just, but at the end of the day, when I started seeing that the Clippers cut this thing down from 31 to about 15, I was like, okay, I need, to, I need to stay locked in. And, that's, and then as I was watching that game, Clippers really showed who they really are. Um, Any Doc Rivers. Uh, any successful Doc Rivers team is going to show aggression and grit, toughness, tenacity. That's what they bring to the table, and that's what really threw Golden State off their game, especially when Kevin Durant fouled out. Um, when Kevin Durant fouled out of that game, it changed the whole dynamic and basically sucked the life out of that Golden State Warriors team in a way that in past situations we never really actually had the experience. Um, we all know that Steph Curry is the one that is the engine that keeps this Golden State Warriors team intact and running. And last year, especially when the, within that Houston Rockets series, um, when Stephen Curry wasn't wasn't on his best game or he wasn't on the uh, in the right mental state to where he could perform at a high level, um, when you put, when you put that tenacity, that toughness, and and the intensity on defensive end on them and force Kevin Durant, even though he's a, arguably the best player in the entire league. When you get, when you make him do all the work and take step out of the equation, we saw that Golden State struggle, and we saw that offensively it was a lot tougher and uh, to score the ball because the ball wasn't moving. It was really stagnant, and quite frankly, they just wasn't as invested in the offensive end as they normally would be. 
And you kind of saw that over time with this, the uh, Clippers game. But it took Kevin Durant out of the game. It seemed like the it seemed like the, uh, the role switched a little bit, where offensively they kind of uh, stopped playing. They kind of just you know relaxed on offense and just thought that oh, we're still the Golden State Warriors. We're just gonna get by with it. We just get by based on our talent. And defensively, they just stopped playing the game. And the Clippers just snuck up in there and used their toughness, their intensity, their aggression, and their assertiveness to basically pull this one out and create one of the biggest upsets in the playoffs. So yes, that did shock me. And of course, I was a little upset that they that the way that it happened with the Warriors down, winning by 31 points heading into the second half, and then losing it that quickly over time, and then losing the ultimately losing the game. Yeah, that was a tough one to swallow, especially since I had him for this week. So yeah, it was definitely a tough one to swallow, but give your hats off to Doc Rivers, who can arguably be a coach of the year candidate because of the fact that he helped this young um, this young roster continue, continue within the play of the development and keep them afloat and to get in the playoffs without Tobias Harris in the second half of the season from the trade. Uh, for them to continue that high-level play and still be consistent enough to where they can act they where they made the playoffs and then for them to go into Golden State, which is one of the toughest areas to play in and win, and the way and to win the way that they did it. You gotta give your hat you all gotta give the Clippers some props. Definitely, definitely. And, and yeah, I'd say uh Doc is definitely a candidate. I don't know if he'll pull off the the, the win for coach of the year, but he's definitely a candidate. So and, and this like I said, that game was a definitely another a great example of his abilities as a coach and his abilities to make a team more than what it is, you know. He's done that quite a bit throughout his career. Do you think that they'll be able to take any other games in the city? Clips? If they have the chance, the best chance is game three. And game three is going to be very interesting to see if uh, Golden State will bounce back and win and he needs to bounce back and win this game. If Golden State wins game three, I think it's a wrap. Um, but Golden State is focused and locked in on the goals of, especially when it comes to advancing to the next round to get to that next step. When they're locked in and loaded, it's hard for them, it's hard to defend them, and it's hard to win against them. And the last game, they had a real mental relapse. So I expect them to come out in game three and really give it their all. But and, and I obviously, from my prediction standpoint, I, I assume that Golden State will win, but for the Clippers, if they want to continue this uh, competitive nature and really testing the Warriors and uh, and stealing another game, they gotta they gotta uh, build off the intensity that they brought in Game Two, carry over into the Game Three of their home stadium, and win at least one of those games there. And I think Game Three should be the game that they should with the best opportunity for them to take. Okay, okay. Looking at the rest of the West series, you got. Uh, a 1-1 series that's uh, currently playing its third game right now in uh, Den- uh, Denver and San Antonio. Uh, you know, that's been a pretty competitive series. You got uh, you know Portland making a statement with winning their first two games pretty handily at home against Oklahoma City. I know that's another prediction that's gone awry for you, man. Uh, you had Oklahoma City winning that series. And, uh, you know, Houston has been dominant uh, with uh, Utah as well at home. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of feeling themselves right now in Houston. 
Then Tony saying they're playing as good as anybody right now and that they may be the best team around right now. What do you think about that sentiment coming out of Houston? And could they uh, possibly be the team that uh, is going to give Golden State their biggest uh, challenge in the playoffs? I think, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like it's either going to be Houston or OKC. If OKC plays at the level that they know that they can play at, everyone has to be on on saying on board, basically, especially from a defensive end standpoint. If Oklahoma City uh, continues to uh, improve offensively while also being defensively sound, I think they have a good chance of giving Golden State a run for their money as well. But out of this Western Conference so far, Houston Rockets are obviously the best team that can give the Warriors the Warriors a, a nice little uh, competitive uh, they, competitiveness to where they could possibly overthrow. Um, the big thing that we talked about in the offseason was the fact that they lost to Marisa, their big defensive anchor. But we don't talk about the, about the fact that the, of the assistant coach, um, I can't remember his name right now, unfortunately, but the, uh, the defensive uh, coach that really helped this anchor this defense. Bob Rockets. Jeff Benzdella. Yes, 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 him. Um, he's done a really good job uh, keeping this uh, defensive mindset within the Houston Rockets, and even um, and even challenging James Harden to play defense. And this this is by far the best year James Harden has ever played defense ever since he really put on a uniform for the Rockets. And for, and for him to commit, and obviously you got defensive specialist and Chris Paul, to have those two together committing and leading this team, um, not just offensively, but defensively, it changed the whole dynamic of the Houston Rockets team. Um, this, the way that they're playing right now really doesn't surprise me. They've been doing this all throughout last year as well. And, and remember, many can argue that if Chris Paul really didn't get hurt, they could have overthrew the Warriors then and been in the NBA Finals instead of this. It would have been the NBA Finals competing for a championship. Yeah. So the, so the Rockets definitely um, doesn't surprise me that they're playing the way that they're playing. And for James Harden to continue what he's doing, what he's been doing all season long, putting up historical numbers, making a, making a very solid case for MVP this season again, um, I'm not surprised that, that uh, the Rockets are where they are right now. And Antonio's right. They could arguably be the best team in that Western Conference, and they have the best chance to really dethrone the Warriors. But the thing is, can James Harden stay uh, stay hot? And the way that he's been playing, obviously, it's been a James Harden one-man show for the most part. And can Chris Paul stay healthy? If you got those two factors going in your favor, go to state is in trouble. Okay. And given, no, given that the Rockets fell to that fourth seed in the West, you know, they have to play for better or worse, as far as uh, everyone is concerned, watching the, watching the league, you know they have to play Golden State in the second round instead of you know having that rematch in the Western Conference Finals. So that gives an opening on the other side of the bracket. And I was thinking that you know coming into the to the Portland Oklahoma City series, that the winner of that series would be in the best position to make it to. The Western Conference Finals, and the way Portland's playing right now, it looks like they're ready to step up. You know, would you agree with that? I, I would. I had I originally had Oklahoma City winning that series four two because of the fact that I thought 
with Paul George playing at the high level that he was playing all year round on both ends on the floor. And mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook um, changed his game like he originally did during the season to be more of a facilitator and letting Paul George run the show in key moments of the game offensively and, and defensively. Um, that elevated the Oklahoma City Thunder's uh, standards to another level. And, and, and because of that competitive play, especially when they commit as a team on a defense end, it made the, the Thunder very pretty much unstoppable. And I thought with the loss of Jerkic for the, the Trailblazer side of things, if they kept that defensive uh, intensity on Portland themselves, I didn't think Portland really would have much of a chance to, have to uh, overcome them in this first round. But give Portland some credit, man. With um, Enos Cantor's done a great job filling in for Jerkic and really being that defensive anchor as well as giving them offensive flexibility. And Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, that dynamic backcourt is just overtaking uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder's backcourt right now. Russell Westbrook's played terrible, like the Russell we originally know. And Paul George isn't healthy, so he's not performing at the level that we know he can play. And the Portland Trailblazers are taking straight advantage of that. Damian Lillard is coming after Russell Westbrook like they always have in the past previous years, and he's really taking advantage of this opportunity to show that he is basically the top one of the top point guards if not the top point guard in the western conference and he's giving it to the man who's been been putting up historical numbers for the past three seasons so the Portland Trailblazers are definitely um stepping up and they're definitely making noise as far as being that potential underrated team that not many people expect to possibly represent the western conference finals especially since that between Denver and San Antonio, whom they will be facing in the semifinals, neither team really being a team that can basically um, overtake. I don't see them really overtaking either. Them take, overtaking the Trailblazers, Denver's really inexperienced. They have talent, but they're inexperienced. And San Antonio, even though you can never count out a Popovich team, they're not the same Popovich teams of old. Where you have the Tim Duncan's and the Valentino's you know, and the Tony Parkers and a bunch of great role players to go along with the combative star uh, talent. It's a totally different team. And that team, um, even though they technically can't match up to what Portland has to offer, they're not as talented overall as Portland is compared to them. So the Portland Trailblazers are really making some noise as an undervalued or underrated team to get to that Western Conference Finals. And it's something that we should not overlook. Yeah, man, I can't, I can't disagree with you at all on that, man. Like I said, coming into the series, I, I figured that on that other side of the bracket that one of the team from that's Portland, Oklahoma series would would show themselves to be the better of those four teams that are on that side. I didn't. I, I'm with you as far as you know, seeing the limits of then both Denver and San Antonio. I think the whoever wins that series is still destined to lose in the second round. And, you know, if, if Oklahoma was playing, if they were up 2-0 and they were playing the way that Portland is playing, I would be just as confident in them going to the Western Conference Finals. So, But unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. It's been Portland that has been showing out. And, you know, really don't, the one thing that the Thunder can hang their hats on at this point is the fact that they are going back home. They have a clear home court advantage in that way. They have a rowdy crowd and everything. And, 
maybe that energy will uh, help, you know, you know, you know, give them some, give them some flight, you know, and, and lift them up. But uh, like you say, the matchups have just been horrible for Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, Westbrook is not dealing well with Lillard. McCollum is coming out gunning as well, and, and both McCollum and Lillard are hitting well. If, if you got those guys shooting the way that they're shooting throughout this series, there's no way that Oklahoma City is going to come back. And, you know, they're not going to need much beyond those two guys. But but even so, they're getting it from people like uh, Enos Cantor, who's been a pleasant surprise, and uh, Myers Leonard. So, you know, the, they, they, have, they have athletic big guys who can move the ball around, who can make plays off the dribble. And, you know, you know, Oklahoma City's defense just isn't up for that. They aren't up for guarding the perimeter. They aren't up for much of anything. So if they're not scoring and they're not defending, they're losing. So it's it's a tough it's a tough draw for the Thunder. And uh, you know, we just gotta see if they're gonna be able to make any sense of things at home. But uh right now, yeah, Portland definitely looks like a team on the rise and, and I'm I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them face uh Golden State in in the uh, Western Conference Finals, or maybe Houston. You know, we got to see uh, how that'll go, how that'll shake out in the second round. But that's definitely uh, what, what we're seeing in the playoffs so far. Uh, first round of playoff diary. Uh, just uh, wrapping this up for you here. We are RicoRadio.com. We're on Anchor. This is Kyle Means here with Joshua M. Hicks. And uh, yeah, like I said, we'll be bringing more of these for you throughout the playoffs. More running with war as well. We try to do those, you know, every couple weeks or so. Give you a couple, at least a couple more additions before the end of the finals. And um, but uh, beyond that, yeah, like I said, these diaries we'll have we'll have a couple of these every week, definitely. And uh, definitely read Josh's stuff on uh, online coming up. Another endoscope column from him is coming on Friday, as well as In The Scope podcast. So uh, definitely check out my man's work. He's doing great stuff. And um, yeah, we'll leave it at that, man. This is uh, the War Playoff Diary. So uh, that's the, I think I'll stick with that name. Uh, yeah, so uh, hope you enjoy it. And uh, keep enjoying the playoffs, man. You know, keep it bouncing, man, like you say around here, man. All the hoop heads, man. Playoff season, best time of year, definitely for the NBA, and we love it, man. So uh, we're going to keep enjoying it, and I hope you do too, all right? Signing off.